Hello and welcome back to Books in the Biz. We are back here with Rich Veltre. Rich, how are you today? I am great, Dan. How are you? I am wonderful. If I was any better, I would be you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, I know somebody's getting towards the end of uh, 2022 tax season. Um, I, I know what you accounts go through with all the different uh, updates and, and deadlines and whatnot. It seems like you spend the entire year doing taxes anymore. <laughs> Pretty much. I, um, I'm kind of out of that side of it. So yeah. I, um, I'm kind of happy about that, but uh, yeah, we're almost, we're almost done with the, what the, re the remainder of the 2022 <laughs> issues are. So uh, another couple of weeks and it'll all be over and we look. Yeah, at I know. But even at, at the CFO level, they still managed to rope you back in a little bit. True. True. And that's uh, in some ways a good lead in here, because as you mentioned, uh, you no longer do the tax side stuff anymore. Uh, you got out of that because you decided that's not what you wanted. And the fifth question in our five questions you need to ask yourself are, what do you want? And I will just bring up the graphic here so we can speak to that. All right. Um, now, when we talked about this session ahead of time, one, there really isn't anything per se that you know we can do directly. Um, I think there's questions that we we help ask, and where where the value comes in for us to figuring out the answer to this is having a neutral third party come in and, and talk to you, but. You know, what I thought would be helpful to some of these people is let's talk about kind of the scenarios that we've dealt with where we're in the process of helping people figure out what they want. Because to me, that's that's the impact there is, you know, that I believe every business owner has some idea of what their next phase is, but they don't always know how to get there. So if you could maybe share some some scenarios that you've experienced. I'll share some scenarios I've experienced and hopefully that gives the listeners a little bit more idea, maybe where they need to go or what they need to look at when they're starting to figure that out. Yeah. I definitely have a number of examples, but I think two are a little bit uh, more prevalent than, than others. Uh, one of them was actually a company that was, it, the, the owner was actually a private equity firm, but the private mm. equity firm had watched as the investment that they made got uh, kind of put in jeopardy because they had made a gross error in the supply chain ability the, the management that they put their trust in had basically made a mistake. Um, they had owned a factory in China, which is no longer an available option. And they had imported all their goods from there and management came in and said, well, we can make them for $2 cheaper in the Dominican Republic. So they started the process of getting them made in the Dominican Republic and shuttered the factory in China, but Dominican Republic wasn't ready yet. So the problem was they stopped being able to get good shoes because the first batches of shoes that came out of Dominican Republic were faulty and they were mm. getting sent back. So, the whole wholesale distribution model was going down in flames because, you know, they were not able to replenish their product. And then when people came and said, we need these shoes, couldn't get them. So um, private equity came up with, well, what do we want to do? 
So I added a word to your graphic, but you know, what do we want to do? And they had to come up with the same scenario as if they were a founder or whether they were an owner, what do I want to do? You know, I'm sure that was one of those days that we've talked about that they had a bad day and said, we just got to get out of here. <laughs> this is horrible. Um, but um, they wound up coming up with a strategy uh, that took four years. So we go back to our timing. You know, it took them four years to put in place a strategy where they corrected the error, turned the business around, went into a different uh, a different direction. But the bet paid off. And they wound up selling the company for a 12 multiple, which is a lot more than what most of us will ever be able to talk about. But the strategy was that uh, impressive that they were able to turn around and sell it for that much more money. Um, so they got their return back, even though it's a private equity firm. They don't usually hold on to companies for you know seven, eight years, but that's where they were on this one. Yeah, that is a long time to be hanging on to a, an investment because usually it's closer to five years, isn't it? I think, yeah, a lot of times, you know, depending on the investment, I've heard some firms that go in for a minute for like three years or, 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 or even, you know, just a real short time frame because they have a plan that right. they figured out that if they buy it, they bring somebody else in, they put the two together inside of three years. It's a completely different company. So um, so a lot of times the time frames are that short. Um, five is probably you're right. Five is probably a good median there or a good you know kind mm -hmm. of maximum. Um, but I have seen them, you know, with criteria to go even faster. Yeah. Seems like we talk about five years a lot. All our episodes <laughs> seem to, to link around five years, but, uh, yeah, I, I've had similar. Um, so mine is actually with an individual business owner built the company from scratch. So back 20 some years ago, he decided he was going to start this retail business. Actually, it started more or less as a food truck initially. Uh, and then it expanded into something completely different. But, uh, you know, we talked in the beginning about kind of the first stage of, of what he was doing. You know, he thought he was going to be successful. He was, I think in his late teens or something, he bought this truck and he was going to be making this product and it was going to be wonderful. And he started up the first day and it was abysmal failure. And he was in one of those situations where, you know, you're, you're, we've talked about this in the past, you, you need capital to keep the investment going. Well, of course he had spent all his money on the truck and the equipment and, you know, some basic training on, on how everything operates. And then he had nothing. Yeah. He had to pretty much figure it out for himself. And that was the first stage of his, his business. And while food truck changed to uh, basically working in that industry, building uh, product and equipment and whatnot, and, and completely transferred to more of a, a manufacturing and, and retail space. Uh, so fast forward here 20 years, and he's getting burnt out. He's still relatively young. He has a family. He has a successful business, but he's stressed out and realizes what he's doing isn't working anymore. And the number one question I asked him as we were starting to work together was, what do you want? Which is why this question becomes so important, because while he had something in his mind, he didn't take the time to put it to paper or figure out all the details on how to get there. Mm -hmm. So we start with a very broad, broad brush, if you will. We're, we're flying at a very high view of what is it he's trying to create. And it's just basically to anchor on, well, I want to be able to step back 
in the business and have other people run it. Great. What do you have right now? Well, I have, you know, this many employees. I have this person doing this. I have this person doing that. I have this person who I want to kind of fill in more of an operations role. And like, well, great. You've got some of the building blocks in place. Well, why aren't we there now? And that's when you start working into the details, because now what you want from a very broad perspective now starts to get a little bit more focused and isolated. Well, the reasons he wasn't achieving the goals of being able to step back in his business is while he had people in place, some of those people were family members. He didn't know how to communicate with them without ruffling some feathers because some of them were his siblings. Well, um, Rich, I don't know if you have any brothers or sisters, but I will tell you uh, there are wonderful times in your family where you can agree on everything. And there are other times where you can't agree on anything. And then there are those times in the middle where everyone kind of has their own opinion of what should be done. And they act on that and figure, well, because you're my brother or sister, it doesn't matter if, if you don't agree with me, I'm just going to do it. And anyway, he had this situation where he had these, these family members that were basically dictating what was going on in, in their part of the business. And, and the problem is it was somewhat working, but somewhat going against what he was trying to accomplish. So we had to start establishing from what he wanted, what did he want from his family members? And then from there, he had these other employees that he wanted to step up in the operations. Well, what did he want from them to get them to be more in the role that he was filling at that time so he could step back? Mm -hmm. And that process took the better part of a year to get figured out. But what we were able to do over that time is he was able to step back and, and get out of much of the day-to-day -day operation and put the responsibility on the people he wanted to. He was also able to clarify how each person stayed in their own lane. So they all worked well together and they all had autonomy in what they did. And, you know, there was very little interruption in, in how that went about. So there are ways to do this and it all starts with answering these questions. And, and in his case, this is a situation where he wasn't actively looking to sell the company right now because he was one of those people that saw future opportunities scale, kind of like we talked about last week where, you know, he saw the, the potential for growth and he wanted to focus more on that and less on the day-to-day -day operations. So what we were able to do in his scenario was get him to a point where he could do that and spend time with his family he has some young kids and he wanted to be uh, closer to home. So that was the benefit in his world where we were able to really establish that. Yeah, I have a, uh, I have an example that goes right along with that. So I'll jump in and tell you right, right now that's, uh, I was very glad to hear you say that, you know, he took about a year if I heard you right, right? Yep. Okay. So, I mean, I had an example where, you know, we got a call that somebody wanted to sell their business. And the fact of the matter was their financials were great. We've had a lot of conversations in these, you know, parts of our five, you know, our five part series here that talked about, you know, the timeline. And, you know, these guys had a company that was massively growing and it had grown to the point where it was a hundred million dollar company. And it was privately owned. So the four owners had kind of come to the conclusion that they wanted to get out. So they answered the question, what do you want? And they said, we want out. Um, <clears throat> but the problem was exactly that. You still had to deal with the timeline. Mm -hmm. They were privately held. They had never done an audit. 
So now you had an investment banker because of the size of the transaction. You had an investment banker come in and said, well, first thing we're looking for is audited financial statements. <clears throat> and then they said, because of the size of the transaction, we think it would be beneficial to do a quality of earnings report from inside your company. So you have your own speculation on your side of what the value should be and what your you know, earnings are actually going to translate to on a buyer side. <clears throat> and then they said, by the way, you're still going to have to do the due diligence after all that's done. You know, and there's going to be legal back and forth and there's going to be a working capital review to see how much money you have to leave in the business. So all of these things that we've been talking about all happened and these owners had no idea what was, you know, what was in, involved in getting through this process. And then on top of that, you were selling to potentially one of these larger private equity firms who was interested in putting a lot of money in. <laughs> and the one thing that we saw when we walked in there was that they were getting financial reports two months after the month closed. Oh, so we knew that there was a procedural issue. We weren't getting reports out. Private equity was not going to be happy with not getting data because they crave data. Right. So, you know, we had to go through that process. And that process alone, even though their financials were great, they got the number they were asking for. To get it, their, their stories were fabulous for planting a seed on what somebody else can do. Still took them a year. Wow. to get through that process because they had to go through all of those steps and they were not ahead of that game. And there's, to me, there's sometimes that can take even longer because while we can sit here and say, well, what do you want? And I think both of you, I have worked with companies and helped them figure out uh, that path forward. And like you said, it takes time. There's the other side of this where, okay, you know what you want. You're shown the path to get there then are you really willing to do the work to make it happen? So, you know, we've, we've shared some good examples here. I'm going to share an example of where the timeline got stretched much longer because essentially the owner knew what he wanted, but when it came down to doing the work, he didn't want to do that. And it was a technology firm, uh, specialized business in the, uh, in basically a substation industry. So electrical side of things and, you know, successful company, very good niche because he fit right in where there wasn't a ton of competition. There were some other competitors, but for the most part, he had the, the market share of the business. The problem was he was the Oracle. You probably remember me talking about this some other times too, is where you have that one person who is the know-it-all answer-all type of individual and everything went through this person. Well, it went through this person to the point where they got backlogged. They couldn't get their stuff done and it was very difficult for them to step back. And that's the hardest part about all of this is, you know, you can say what you want, but in the end you have to be willing to let go of the things you're doing to fulfill the duties of another person in your organization. Otherwise, you're never going to get to the point where you can step back. And instead of a year, now we're talking about three to four years into this. And, and it also bled into the workplace culture because there were certain actions he was doing that he knew were destructive from a cultural standpoint, but he continued to do them. And then he wondered why other people followed suit. And I will always tell you that the people will follow the, the actions of the owner. 
So if the owner is on top of things, they're structured, they follow through on their commitments, they get things done, they hold people accountable, you will start seeing the employees and the leadership team do the same. The exact opposite is also true, where if the owner says one thing, does another, the employees will follow suit there as well. They'll agree, they'll nod, they'll smile, and, and in the end, they'll continue doing the same destructive habits that the owner does. And this is why it's really important to be clear on that whole what you want scenario, and also why this was question number five on the list of five, not number one, because you know we talked about a lot of things in the previous four episodes of why they're all important. To me, you can't answer this question until you kind of have an idea of what's going on with the other four questions. I can absolutely agree with that. I mean, you really do wind up looking at, you know, what is, uh, what is, what are the past results? You know, what does that translate to as far as the value goes? Um, you know, what do you want? I mean, add into it also the pieces that you've said that in previous conversations we talked about, you know, what add the, what do you want to do? You know, what, you know, what, what do you want to do? Because not only is it financial, not only is it operational, but it's, what are you going to do when you're not here? You know, you had mentioned that in another episode. So it becomes also, you know, translate that to what's the additional piece here. You know, what do you want to do after the sale? So yeah, you could pay one of those kids games, right? You take the question mark out and you add a couple (laughs) of things. What do you want to do? What do you want from retirement? You know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, you know, you can add that to the end. Um, I think it's all important. And yes, I do agree with you. I think you have to go through the first four and then you hit this fifth one and then it becomes, well, now you have to make a decision. Yeah, it's you can't create a vacuum in anything. If you give up something, you have to fill that with something else. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. And this is true of your employees. It's true of anybody. If you create that vacuum, our minds go to where they got to fill it with something to do. Yeah. They, they won't typically be latent like that because we're, we're just not that we're not wired that way, especially highly productive people. So it, it's always important to do that. Um, you know, like I said, there, there's no grand plan or grand scheme here that uh, either you or I could directly help with where I think we both provide value is, is asking those questions and starting to provoke those thoughts after we've we've helped address all the other questions. And that's where it really starts to crystallize what it is the owner wants to do with the rest of their time with the company and, and potentially the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. So in that respect, if they needed to get hold of either you or I, I'll start with you first. How do they get a hold of you, Rich? Uh, best way is send me an email, rveltry at veltrygroup.com. Happy to talk about this subject because it's always coming up and it's a very popular topic at the moment. And Dan, Same here. Well, they can get a hold of me at danpaulsonletsgo.com. Uh, you can also check out our previous episodes related to these five questions if you go to booksinbiz.com. That's B-O-O-K-S, the letter N-B-I-Z.com. And Rich, you know, it's been fun talking about these scenarios. And I know in future episodes, we're going to continue to focus on succession and business transition and a number of other subjects. Uh, We might even put together our own top 10 lists of some of these to have a little (laughs) bit of fun with it. Um, But it's been good, good to get out this discussion and, and we hope people will take it to heart. And please, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. So this has been Books in the Biz, another episode down, and we will see you next week.
All right. Take care.